listening to the podcast of the Doral Vineyard Church. This is a message by Denver Lee. I shared several weeks ago how when I first became a Christian, I had this idea that Christianity was like a mountain that you climb and that you just get better at it and better at it. And you get out of sin, you get out of struggle, you just climb. And then one day you reach the top of the mountain and then you pastor a church. And then you don't struggle anymore. And then, you know, after you pastor a church for a while, there's people, so it gets messy. And so you kind of decline on the mountain a little bit. But then, you know, God is gracious and then you get back up on that horse, then you become like an itinerant preacher or something. You start traveling and doing conferences. And so this is what I thought the height of my Christian experience was. And, and some of the things that I, I didn't share uh, during that meeting that I've shared before with some close friends is that when I first got saved, I thought that the high point, the best thing that a Christian can do is be your martyr. I, I, I planned my life out. For those of you who know me, I like to plan. I planned that I was going to die for Christ. My, my plan was that I was, I was going to be a police officer for 25 years. And then after I was a police officer for 25 years, I was going to retire. My wife and I would plant a church, not here in Miami particularly. And then we'll, we, we would plant that church and then we'll pastor that church for some time. And after we pastor that church, we'll hand it off and then we'll go to some third world country after our kids are older. We'll do like the Mother Teresa thing and just move in with the poor. And then at some point, some rebels would come in, kick down the door, tell us that we have to deny our faith. We'll hold each other's hand. We'll, we'll sing some worship song and then we'll die. <laughs> right? This is, this is the height of the Christian experience. What, what, what better way to die than to die a martyr? And, and I remember when I first got saved, I remember wrestling with my level of honesty of my commitment to the Lord, right? And so as a youth pastor, um, whenever we would have these deep discussions, people would say things like, I would die for Christ because I love him. You know, and, and I was like, I love the fire and, 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 and I love the tenacity and I love the desire to be able to do that. And I always challenged the students that if you would die for him, then you would live for him. And so how do you know if you would die for Christ? Are you living for him? That's how you know. That's how you know. That, 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 that's how you know if, if rebels kick down your door and ask you the question, that's how you know if you'll say, I don't know him. That's how you'll know if you'll deny him. That's how you'll know if you'll say, that is my king and that's who I'm going to die for. That, that's how you'll know if, if you live for him. But I remember wrestling with, with my own level of honesty and my commitment and, and just asking myself, where's my commitment to Christ? And where's my commitment to following Christ? And where's my commitment to the gospel? Like, how, how, how do I really honestly measure up to those things? And if I could be honest with you today, there are times that I find that my level of commitment is tiny or sometimes it's non-existence. And I have these get real moments. And in my get real, real moments, I get brutally honest with myself about the struggles in my life and about my shortcomings. And, and I ask myself, how are you following Christ? Are, are you really doing this Christian thing or is it just ideologies for you? And, and I look at my life honestly. And oftentimes I simply find that there are areas in my life that Jesus is simply not prioritized. If I'm, if I'm really honest with myself, there, there are areas in my life where he's not prioritized. 
And I remember working as a police officer that, that my job was priority and that everything that happened, I needed to consult with my schedule. And so that was my measurement. How much of my life do I consult with Christ? Before I go somewhere, before I do something, if someone wanted us to come to a party, I would check my work schedule. If, if, if I wanted to take a vacation, if anything I wanted to do, my doctor's appointment, everything around my life was revolved around this. And that was my measurement. How, how, how much do I go to Christ like that? Is he the center of my existence? And some of the things that, that I assessed about myself is that I was afraid to take risk when I knew it was God. Like, I, I would know that God is saying something. I would know that God is doing something, and I'll be so afraid to take the risk. And th- those are some of the things I found out about myself in my get real moments. And I, 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 I found out that, like, I, I would ask myself, like, why do you get afraid? Like, why are you afraid if you know it's God? Like, why, why do you fall back into the sin? Like Paul says, be ye not again entangled into the bondage, right? Why do, why do I fall back into that thing so often, and why, why is it that I'm so lazy and off-putting by prayer and reading my Bible and fellowshipping with Christians? This is what it looks like when I have coffee in the morning by myself. <laughs> These are the questions I ask myself, right? Like, because, because if, if, if this thing is for real, then I ought to get real about it. And so I title my message today, Can You Believe This? And, and I know that when I put it, you know, some people are like, oh, like, Ralph and Kathy, you're leaving. Can you believe this? It's like, I can't believe it either. The day's finally here. I'm hoping that someone gives them a prophetic word about a house they could buy and stay and just continue to be here and help me. <laughs> but I title my message, Can You Believe This? And, and what I'm referring to here is the gospel. What I'm, the, the question I'm asking him is the gospel, particularly the center of the gospel, which is Christ. So d- during our Kingdom of God series, I explained that the gospel is not just that Christ died and rose and ascended. The gospel is the kingdom because Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. And so the good news is the kingdom. It's that God's plans, God's rule, God's reign, God's agenda, his authority, it's eternal and it's available now, and it's, uh, it, it comes into your life now, right? So that is the gospel. Jesus came to say that the thing that belongs to the end of the age, the healing, the forgiveness, like all, all, all of the relationships mending, all those things that belong to the end are coming now. That is the gospel that he preached. He said, if I cast out demons by the power of God, then that means that the kingdom of God is here. And, and, and so things that were supposed to happen at the end were present now. That's the gospel, right? That's, that's the gospel that, that what you're expecting in the future, you should be expecting it now. That's what Jesus came to preach. That's the gospel. And then the the height of this gospel, however, is the death and the resurrection of Christ and the ascension. That is the high point of the gospel because that is when he bursts open heaven and he conquers death and he conquers sin. And the thing that gets completed at the end is completed in the cross of Christ. So that is the height of the gospel. So when I say, is my life centered around the gospel? I'm, I'm particularly asking about, is my life centered around the high point of the gospel? Is it centered around Christ? I, I think that oftentimes our Christian walk is more of a Christian run. You know, I, I, I find that sometimes we try to do the Christian run even without doing the Christian walk at all. And, and, and we often begin doing big and bold things right away. 
But the, the, the thing I've learned is, is, is that faith is a bold response to a bold claim. That's what faith is. Faith is a bold response to a bold claim. And this is what Jesus alludes to oftentimes when he's talking to the religious leaders. So like in, in Matthew 23, 23, for instance, when, when Jesus uses the word hypocrites, he's not using the word hypocrites in terms of like someone who says one thing and then they do another, right? That's not what he's talking about when he says hypocrites. When, when we say hypocrites, we're talking about someone who says that they're godly, that they're holy, and then they're doing other things that don't reflect that life. When Jesus talks about hypocrites, he's, he's, he's referring more to one who builds a great big house with no foundation. He's talking about one who can run really fast, but stumbles when they walk. He's talking about one who knows about the great big things and the great big measures of God, but just lacking the simple little things. So in Matthew 23, 23, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he says, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. And he says four, which means that he, I'm calling you a hypocrite because you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. And these are the things that you should have done without neglecting the others. So he's not calling them hypocrites because they say one thing and do another. He's calling them hypocrites because they're doing great big things on a weak foundation on a weak foundation. And it's the foundation that I want to talk about today. He's referring to one who prioritized running, but never walks. And one of the most reoccurring themes that I counsel Christians about the most is the topic of direction. Where is my life headed? What is God's plans for me? How do I hear God's voice? Understanding their gifts. These are some of the things that, that Christians often come in and, and, and are just really, you know, like what classes should I take? You know, um, what job should I take? What is the direction? Should I move here? Should I stay here? And those are the things that we're wanting to figure it out. And oftentimes when we get together, we'll study Ephesians and I'll, I'll go through the entire book of Ephesians together and we'll talk about purpose and gifts. And particularly, I'll, I'll read through Ephesians uh, chapter four, verse seven um, through like verse 11. And this, this is what Paul says. Paul, Paul says, but to each one of us, grace has been given and it says that he ascended and he took many captives and he gave gifts to people, right? And then he explains what the ascension is. And so when I say, can you believe this? I'm not talking about, can you believe that Christ gave you gifts? What I'm referring to more is, can you believe that he ascended? Because Paul puts the priority on the ascension. And he even explained, he says, what, what does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended into the lower earthly regions. And he who descended is the very one who ascended then higher than all the heavens in order to fill the universe. And then he says, Christ himself gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And, and, and so we want to run into the apostle, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist. We, we want to get these things. But my question is, have we settled our hearts on the ascension? Because Paul says it, the foundation is the ascension. It, it is in the ascension that these gifts are poured out. And, and, and so my question is, can you believe this enough to set up your entire life around it. And I just picked out seven quality things that I believe is the foundation for this gospel. And I think that if we start with something unbelievable, right? This is how our Christian walk starts. Number one, Jesus' mother was a virgin. Like, that is unbelievable. And I think that, you know, we say that, like, ah, oh, the virgin birth, 
and, and it's just become like more rhetoric in our talk even maybe, but, but do you really believe that? Like, do you really believe that there was a woman who never engaged in relations with a man and became pregnant by the Holy Spirit? Do you truly believe that inside? Number two, that Jesus lived a sinless life, that he never sinned. Do you really believe that deep down inside, when you think about Jesus, do you really believe all of his life, 33 years? I'm good with 33 seconds. I could probably go without sin for 33 seconds. For 33 years, do you really believe that he never sinned? Number three, Jesus is God. Do you believe that Jesus is God? Or that he's a type of God or a prophet of God or a lesser God? Do, do you, have you truly settled your heart on this fact that Jesus, the man, like there was a man who was flesh and blood, like the person sitting next to you, and he said that he was God. If, if, if someone like that came right now, he would, he, he would be on every news station as crazy. And I think that we, we move too fast in saying, yeah, I believe that. But have, have we really settled our hearts on these things? J Jesus died the death that we deserve for our own sin. And personally, personally, from, from, from speaking and counseling many Christians, I find that that of all these things, to be completely honest with you, that is one of the things that is the most unbelievable things for Christians to buy into. That there's a man who took on your sins, who died in your place. And, and, and one of the reasons why I know this is because many Christians that I, I, I get the opportunity to counsel a, a lot, a lot, not many, a lot, don't even acknowledge their sins. They don't even want to call things a sin anymore. It's brokenness and it, I, I just fell short and I messed up and it was a mistake and, you know, I just tripped a little bit. And I think that if we really believe that there's a man who died for your sins, I would not be afraid to call a sin a sin. The only reason I would hold back the measure of sin if I believe that he really didn't die for it. Because then I have nothing to protect for myself. Number five, that Jesus, a man, came back to life. Do you believe this? Do you believe this enough to center your entire life that this man died dead as a doorknob and then he came back? Okay, so we can amen and hallelujah, but are, do we believe it enough to set up our entire lives around it? Do, do, we, do we believe it enough to center our, our existence around this? Number six, that he ascended. This is a crazy one. He just took off. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus rose and that he was a real bodily guy? And I know we say ascension, but he just flew off into the sky. Do, do you really believe that? Are, would, you, would you center your entire existence around this thought and idea that a man raised from the grave and he was standing flesh and blood and then one day he just took off into the sky? Are, are you ready to center your entire belief around that? 
And, he, and, and, and then here's the kicker. He didn't go into outer space. He got far enough and then he went into another dimension. This isn't Marvel Comics. This is like real deal. Are you ready to center your entire life around these claims? And then lastly, number seven, that he's coming back. Do you really believe that he's coming back? Do you really believe that one day, one day the skies are just going to magically open and some guy on a horse is just going to come down from the sky? And he's not coming from outer space like an astronaut. He's coming from another dimension. Do you, do you believe that enough to center your entire life around it? I'm, I'm not talking about do you believe enough to go to a movie or sit in a church service and say amen, amen, and yes, I agree. I'm talking about do you believe enough to center everything you are, everything you do around this theology? This is why Christianity begins at the resurrection. This is, I, I think that many people get told these things and it's just kind of like, like a blase, like Jesus died and he rose again. But here's the good thing, you can have a good life. And, and then we focus on the good life and we focus on the, all the other stuff. But here's the thing, if, if you start where Christianity starts, Christianity starts with an empty tomb. Christianity starts at the resurrection. If, if you can believe, listen to me, if you can believe that a man conquered death, and rose again, like wholeheartedly. If you can pour your entire faith into this thing, if you can believe the impossible in that, and that is your foundation, listen to me, that is your foundation. I believe that he conquered death. I I believe that he died and he rose, and that is my foundation. I start off believing the impossible. So many Christians start off at like number 10. Right? We start off at like number 10. Like, I believe that there's a God in heaven. It's like, do you believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. All right, cool. Do you, do you believe that he's a man? Oh, ah, I don't know about that. Okay. Do you believe that he's a man who died and rose again? Oh, wow. Well, you know, that, that becomes a little bit more complicated. And so if your theology starts off at 10, there's a God in heaven, you know, and that's a really good place to start. But there's no real strong foundation in that. Right? And so if that's where you start and you don't have the strong theological foundation and then you start running and you start asking about apostleship and pastor and evangelism and you start starting to get into the deeper things of faith and you haven't learned to walk, Jesus says, hypocrite, you're building a big house on a weak foundation and it will fall. Because the foundation is we begin with the impossible. We begin with the empty tomb. We we begin with the resurrection. That is where we start. And if you can start with believing this crazy thing, First Corinthians 1.18 says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. And the gospel is a springboard that launches your faith and believing in God and to do the very impossible thing. That is how you start. You start by believing this gospel and then it leads to an amazing journey. And, and, and with this, I truly believe that there's no such thing as a boring Christian life. If you start at a dead guy rose from the grave, there is no way if you believe that you can have a boring life. If you build your entire life around this thing, I, I'm not talking about building your entire life around the, the, the indwelling of the spirit that empowers you to do greater things. And I believe that is true. And I believe that, but, but I'm saying if you can start 
here with this crazy idea and, give, and, and, and say, if that's all I have, I'm going to die for it because I believe it. If you can start there, you will never have a boring Christian walk. And it is only when we unapologetically and unashamedly believe this gospel that we can lay our lives down for its sake. It's only when you believe this for real that you will lay your life down for it. Not when you're tiptoeing around the evidence and, and, and Googling the facts. How, how many facts have you Googled? Did he really raise from the grave? Shaky foundation. Was, was it really a virgin birth? How, how much facts have, have we Googled? Romans 1.16, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of this gospel, for, the, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to first the Jew and also to the Greek. And so today I ask, can, can you believe this gospel? And if your answer is yes, can you believe it well enough to build your whole life and make it the foundation, make it the foundation of your life? 2 Timothy 1.8. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. He says, rather, join me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And I encourage you today to revisit the gospel. I, I, I encourage you today to embrace this gospel and to invite the Holy Spirit to bear witness to this gospel. And so some, some of you may be asking, why a message like this today? Why, well, why are you talking about this today? We're here to celebrate Ralph and Kathy and, and I, I came for a nice meal and a nice message to be encouraged in my faith. You know, that, that's, that's what I came for. So why this message? Because I don't want anyone in this room, I, I don't want anyone in this room for one second to believe that we're celebrating what was an easy ministry for Ralph and Kathy. I don't want anyone in this room to believe that this was a walk in the park. I, 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 because I, I believe that it is because it is true. And you, you, you can only do this thing if you're truly convinced about the facts. There is no way that you will leave your family for 28 years unless you have rested on the fact that Mary was a virgin and Jesus was perfect and he died and he rose for your sins and, and, and he ascended into heaven. When, when you lay that as your foundation for real, it looks like something. I, I don't believe that you give up everything you have if you're still questioning the facts. And so you don't build this kind of life that Ralph and Kathy has on arguments and apologetics and theories and ideas and speculations. This kind of life is built on a solid faith on believing this impossible thing, this, this seemingly impossible thing that Jesus claims that the Bible says they believe it so much, so much, this is the extent that they believe it. This is the journey of a man and woman who forsook their families, who endured ridicule by many. Many, for those of you who haven't heard their story, ask, ridiculed by many. I, I, I've, I've taken over the Facebook page of the Dural Vineyard Church. And I get, and I get those messages, ridiculed by many,
You don't forfeit riches unless you believe this thing for real. You don't give up the possibilities of earning a lot more money than what a church pastor's salary can give you unless you're solid on the foundation, on the virgin birth, the perfect life, the death and the resurrection and the ascension and the giving of the gifts and the releasing of the Holy Spirit. You don't do all these things unless you've set your life on the foundation of these things. You don't deal with battling spiritual opposition to the extent that they do. At some point, at some point, so, so many stories we've heard over the years of, of waking up in the middle of the night and, 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 and just battling things. Let me tell you something, for your sake, for your sake, the waking up in the middle of the night being choked, that wasn't for them, that was for you. You don't do this unless you believe this gospel. You don't bypass the obvious routes to fame. You don't say no to things that are going to take you higher unless you really believe this gospel. And you definitely do not live every inch of your life (laughs) doing this, emptying your bank accounts, unless you believe this is true. You don't do this because the gospel might be true. And I think for many of us, the gospel might be true. And, And we're hoping it's true. But it's when you know that it's true. And that's your foundation. And that's your starting point. Then you can build an exciting life of following Jesus. That's how it starts. That's how this thing starts. And so, when we look at Ralph and Kathy, if you guys can stand up, please, if you could stand. This is, these are not... (laughs) These are not footsteps to be admired and awed at and congratulated. These are footsteps to be followed. And my fear today is that many of us are going to move from this place and just look at it and say, thank you for giving 28 years of your life. I got fed. I was good. Go back to your families. Have, have a nice life. And we're going to continue doing this church thing. It is when you see men and women who lay down their lives for the gospel. This is why Paul says things like, follow me as I follow Christ. Because there's something that happens when when you're ready to give up everything because you're so convinced that this is true. And that's the example that you ought to follow. Because, Because that is what men and women of faith looks like. That is what it looks like. So how do we move from this? How how do we respond to such a great gospel? 
It's a real question. I don't know. It's, uh, I just find that there are many, many times in my life personally where doubt and unbelief is my greatest enemy. That is my greatest enemy is doubt and unbelief. It, it is not the devil in hell. I've never seen him. I've never met him. And I know he talks to some of you, you tell me, but he never talks to me. And I don't talk to him. My greatest, my greatest enemy is doubt and unbelief. And I admire people who look at doubt and unbelief and say, I'm going to believe God. And if I'm wrong, so be it. And so I thank you guys. <laughs> and I thank you for the drive in your church. I thank you for laying down your life. Thank you for taking risks. I thank you for doing church the way that no one else would. <laughs> right? That's it. I mean, like, we're all here because you decided to do church a certain way. Because you had convictions. You believe that Jesus really ascended, that he really released gifts, and that it's not a fairy tale, and that there's prophets, there's evangelists, there's teachers, that there's a Holy Spirit that moves in healing, and that, that, and that there's tongues, and that, and that there's a prophetic realm, and that you actually believe this stuff enough to leave everything and to do it for. And whether you believe it or not, you, 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 you got to admire the, the faith. I don't, I don't care what you believe in, but I, I do care what you're doing about what you believe in today. We hope you enjoyed this message from the Doral Vineyard Church by Denville Leafs. For more information, please visit us at doralvineyard.org.